The following was recorded by the Zen Society, located in Shimong, New Jersey, near Philadelphia. Please visit us at thezensociety.org. If you were to free yourself from the dissatisfaction from all suffering, you must learn the direct way. This way is no other than the realization of your own mind. Now what is this mind? It is the true nature of all sentient beings that which existed before our parents were born and hence before our own birth and which presently exists, unchangeable and eternal. So it is called one's face before one's parents were born. This mind is intrinsically pure. When we are born, it is not newly created. And when we die, it does not perish. It has no distinction of male or female, nor has it any coloration of good or bad. It cannot be compared with anything. So it is called Buddha nature. Countless thoughts issue from this self nature as waves arise in the ocean, or as images are reflected in a mirror. If you truly wish to realize your own mind, this true mind or true self, you must first of all look into the source from which thoughts flow. Sleeping and working, standing and sitting, Profoundly ask yourself, what is my own mind? With an intense yearning to resolve this question, this is called training or practice or desire for truth or thirst for realization. What is called Zazen or seated meditation is no more than looking into one's own mind. It is better to search your own mind devotedly than to even read or recite innumerable sutras and dharanis every day for countless years. Such endeavors, which are but formalities, produce some merit, but this merit expires, and again you return to dissatisfaction and suffering. While you are meditating or doing zazen, remember not to despise nor cherish any thoughts that come across your mind. Only search your own mind, the very source of these thoughts. You must understand that anything appearing in your consciousness or seen by your eyes is an illusion of no enduring reality. Hence, you should neither fear nor be fascinated by any phenomena. If you keep your mind as empty as space, 
unstained by extraneous matters, no evil can disturb you even on your deathbed. While engaged in Zazen, however, keep none of this counsel in mind. You must only become the question, what is this mind? Or what is it that hears these sounds and thinks these thoughts? When you realize this mind, you will know that it is the very source of all Buddhas and sentient beings. The Bodhisattva Avalokitesvara is so called because she attained enlightenment by perceiving or grasping the source of the sounds of the world about her. At work, at rest, never stop trying to realize who it is that hears, who it is that thinks. Even though your questioning becomes almost unconscious, you won't find the one who hears, and all your efforts will come to naught. Yet sounds can be heard and thoughts flow, so question yourself to an even profounder level. At last, every vestige of self-awareness will disappear and you will feel like a cloudless sky. Within yourself, you will find no I or me, or self, nor will you discover any person who hears. This mind is like the void, yet it hasn't a single spot that can be called empty. This state is often mistaken for self-realization, but continue to ask yourself even more intensely, who is it that is hearing? If you bore and bore into this question, oblivious to anything else, even this feeling of voidness will vanish and you will be unaware of anything. Total darkness will prevail. Don't stop. Keep asking with all your strength, what is it that hears, that thinks? Only when you have completely exhausted the questioning will the question burst. Now you will feel like a man or a woman come back from the dead. This is true realization. You will see the Buddhas of all the universes face to face and the patriarchs past, present, and future. Test yourself with this koha. A monk once asked Joshua, what is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming to China? Joshua replied, <laughs> the oak tree in the garden should this koan leave you with the slightest doubt, you need to resume questioning. What is it that hears? What is it that thinks? If you don't come to realization in this present life, when will you? Once you have died, you won't be able to avoid a long period of dissatisfaction all over again. What is obstructing realization? What is obstructing your realization? Nothing but your own half-hearted desire for truth. Think of this and exert yourself to the utmost, losing yourself in that work. So I had a friend who moved away one day. But when we were kids, he always had a deck of cards with him. 
And whenever there was enough people around, he would pull out the cards and he'd shuffle them and he'd look at me or somebody else and he'd say, pick a card. Pick any card. And you would immediately sit there wondering which card to pick. Even though he said, pick any card. It doesn't matter. Eventually you realize that it didn't matter what card you picked. Whatever card you picked worked. And whatever card you picked had just as much value as any of the other cards you picked. Just as much possibility, just as much potential. Pick a moment. Any moment. Doesn't matter what moment. Pick a moment. You cannot be dissatisfied, unhappy, you cannot suffer when you pour yourself into any moment. When you are truly, fully present in any moment, doesn't matter the moment. Pick one moment, pick one card, pick one moment, any moment, and pour yourself into that. And then the next moment, and the next moment, until you find a lifetime of moments. We call that happiness. We call that contentment. We call that a life fully lived. Doesn't matter what the moment is. Does not matter what the moment is. Pick any moment. Because like the cards, every moment is filled with pure potentiality. But what I'm asking you to do is bass backwards from the way we often do it. The way we do it, the way our conditioning has taught us to do it, is to look for moments to fulfill us. The Master understands that true happiness is in fulfilling moments. It is when you and I pour ourselves into any moment and fulfill that moment by our presence, by our full attention, by our full giving over to that moment, giving in to that moment. So it doesn't matter, pick a card, pick a moment, any moment. It works with any moment, but if we do it back asswards, where we are always looking for moments to fulfill us, that doesn't work. We get caught up in wondering which moment. And the card game doesn't go on, can't go on. You just sit there wondering which card to pick and you reach for one and say, no, I don't want that one, I'll take, no, no, I don't want that one, I'll take, no, I don't want that one, I'll take that one. And eventually the one that you do pick, the mind has already created the illusion, the illusion that there's something in the card, you see, that there's something in the trick, you see. And we go around the way we do with these magical things. We either are suspicious of what that is, or we are convinced that it can bring us great magical, you know, wealth or purpose. But in reality, true fulfillment, true fulfillment is in fulfilling any moment, pouring yourself into that moment, whatever that moment is. And it doesn't even matter if the moment is painful, it doesn't even matter if the moment is sad, because you cannot 
be taken by that experience if you pour yourself into it, if you walk into it, or as Pema Chodron talks about it, as actually her teacher talked about, Chogyam Trungpa used to say, when, when you're facing pain, lean into it. When you come to the fire, don't run. Lean into the fire. Lean into it. Pour yourself into it. Walk through it, not around it or away from it. So pick a moment, any moment, this moment, when you were meditating, that moment, when you stand, that moment, and when we pour ourselves into it, whether walking or standing or sitting or lying down, as the great master's words say to us, whatever we are doing, pour ourselves into the question, what is this? And that's the problem for most people's lives, you know. Most people who talk to me about being bored are bored because it is the essential question that gets rid of boredom, that destroys all boredom. What is this? Who is it that hears my voice right now? Who is it that is sitting there thinking about my words? And what is going on? Because that's what we want to know in these card tricks, isn't it? What is going on? How is this working? I say. And the only one smiling in the game is the guy doing the card trick. Because he knows. Because he has done the work in understanding the cards. And when he started out training in the cards, he too thought there was a magical card in the deck. And the key was to find that card until finally he realized, pick a card, pick any card. It doesn't matter. They, say, they tell you that all the time. It doesn't matter. Pick any card. But notice if you've ever been part of such a game, you sit there and you wonder, which one should I pick? <laughs> and they say it. Any card. It doesn't matter. Any moment in life doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether the moment is, quote, and if you were listening to the Master's words in the sutra I just shared with you, in reality, there is no good or bad card. There is no good or bad moment. There's whether or not you truly are present in the moment or not. We think the moment inherently possesses some quality that makes it good or bad for us. No, what makes it good or bad for us is our coloration of the moment. And our coloration of the moment is whether or not we are fully present to it or not fully present to it or not. And this is what we call the difference between, or what I call the difference between authentic spirituality and the kinds of stuff they try to sell you out there as such. Tokushu Zenji says to us, if you would free yourself from dissatisfaction, you need to learn the direct way and you can't play the card game unless you follow the rules. The guy folds up the deck and walks away. So he says, pick a card, pick any card. Doesn't matter, pick any card. And again, if you've ever been in such a situation in these card games, you, you know. The first thing you do is think about which card to pick. Even though he says, pick any card. 
And that's the problem in spiritual practice. That's the problem, especially in contemporary spiritual practice, as it is promoted in so many places in our world today, is that we're still looking for some magic. And those of you who have been here long enough and came here years ago remember possibly me saying the first things I ever said to you were, there is no magic here and I am not a magician. And the only one that thinks the card player has magic and is a magician are those who don't understand how the cards work. Those who don't understand that every single card, every single moment of life provides the same amount of possibility for every other moment. But it is the card guy or girl who understands what the game is really about, who knows how to manage the cards, who is the one that really is the life of the party, you know, the one who is bringing possibility. And again, Tokushu Zenji tells us that life is found in the moment, the single moment, it doesn't matter what moment, you know, because when he says to us at the end, which is what all the masters have said over the centuries, if not now, when? If you're not going to wake up and be enlightened now, when is it? Because what's left is that if you think you're going to after you die, it doesn't work that way. Because after you die, you just get to come back and do it all over again. Because you, Not because you failed to do it, but because you failed to recognize that, again, choosing to wait until after you die is choosing a card that you think has magical powers, you know, and it doesn't. So pick a moment, any moment, doesn't matter, right now, pick a moment, pick this moment, to truly be fully present to the moment, not wanting it to be this way or that way, not wanting it to have anything to offer you. And again, when you take a look at the way we play this card game called life, we keep discriminating the moments. We keep searching for the good moments, the better moments, the right moments. And as, again, Tokushu Zenji says to us, you can do it that way, and there's some merit in that. You know, nobody wants to you know, deliberately go to a bad party. But again, that doesn't last, does it? In search of the happy moments and trying to avoid the less happier moments. And the reason, again, that that doesn't last is because the moment is not inherently happy or sad. The happiness and the, or the sadness is really our own coloration of the moment. So practice is to pick any card, any card, doesn't matter which card. Every single card we are to pour ourselves into, every single moment, we pour ourselves into that moment. Someone once said, you cannot be sad, you cannot be dissatisfied, and be useful at the same time. And if you've tried that, you know it's true. To be useful, the truly useful person in the crowd, is the one who, again, pours themselves entirely into whatever is needed at the moment and producing that. 
So those moments where we have worked hard and in the end feel just, even though exhausted, fulfilled, again, has nothing to do with the results of our work. It has everything to do with our choice to be fully present, to here and now, whatever it is. So when sitting, there are these ceaseless, endless flowing of thoughts and feelings and emotions. There is this insatiable story that runs in our head. And our body aches eventually, and we get tired, and we wonder when the sitting's over, and if we're smart, we'll, we'll leave earlier, because we think that that's going to liberate us you know, from all of this, and what have you, and so on and so on. Because we really do believe that the card game is about the magical card. And if we find that one magical card, that's what makes the difference. But it's not about that. It's about following instructions. Pick a card. Any card. I used to watch my friend get so frustrated. He would say, pick a card. Any card. And they look and look and look. Any card. Any card, he would say. Any card. Pick one. <laughs> Just one, any card, they're saying. And every, every single time, the, the person playing the game would be wondering, oh, no, 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 I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until they finally picked a card that the potential for fulfillment in the game was available. And most of us are still hesitating, wondering which moment to pick. And what we fail to recognize is that's why we continue to suffer. Because it doesn't matter the moment. What matters is, is, is to pick the card. And then to own the card. Because the next part of the game is, don't show me the card. That's, it's all code. Don't show me the card. I don't need to see the card. So that's where he is saying, own the card. Now own it. And then there's something in the mind that when we do that, we think, wow, okay, now I got something. Pick a card, pick a moment, any moment in life, and pour yourself entirely into that moment. Asking the question, what is this mind that thinks there's some special card? What is this mind that hears sounds? Takushu speaks to us also of true self, that which we seek, that self we seek, and we do, is not this self that comes and goes, is not this self that is once satisfied and then dissatisfied. The self we seek existed before we were born, before our parents were born, and doesn't cease to exist after we die. It is infinite, it is uh, potential, it is vast, unchangeable, uncontainable. And that is the self we find full satisfaction, and that is why people talk about it as enlightenment and, and fulfillment and nirvana. And that self is the self that knows that any card matters. Every card in the deck matters. And what matters is to pick a card and not keep searching for the right one. Pick 
any card and pour yourself into it. And if you've done this training, and it is training, long enough, you eventually begin to see that yes, if I pour myself into just this, whatever this is, and give it my fullest attention, then there is the satisfaction and contentment I am looking for. Because you cannot, cannot be discontented and be fully present to the moment as it is, just as it is, at the same time. You cannot be. To be fully present to those difficult moments is to be in the difficulty without any discriminating thoughts that we attach to. You can have the thoughts, but again, just as in Zazen, just as when you are meditating, you come back to your breath. So just as in life, you come back to Takushu Zanji's teaching. Do not attach yourself. Do not be fearful of any thought and do not be fascinated by any thought. They're passing. They flow on their own. They don't mean anything. The only meaning thoughts have in our life, again, is our own coloration. Detached from all thoughts, detached from all feelings and emotions about the moment. I think it was like three quarters of the way through teaching over the past 40 years, I decided to start telling people that I looked into this and found that nobody's died from meditation yet. You might die while you're meditating, but you won't die from meditating. And you notice that when the pain shows up in the feet of the back, it, you respond to it as if you're going to die. You know, say. And once again, we color that moment, don't we? We color that moment. You know, and so we want to move about. We want to escape. We want to relieve ourselves from that. And what we're failing to see is that that really is not a function of some real issue going on with our bodies at the moment. It is a function of how we are coloring the moment. Because what does that do? When we do that, when we react to these thoughts and emotions and sensations the way we do, we're now again out of the moment. We call that distracted. We become distracted, we remove ourselves from the moment. And that dissatisfaction we feel in our bodies is because of that. Not because there's any real threat to the moment. And so the training is to train yourself to just sit with that, to just sit with that and experience that fully. Pour yourself into being with that. I was um, doing the second part tonight in Philadelphia wedding and I was with the family and all for the wedding rehearsal and dinner afterwards last night. And it was in a, a hotel in Philadelphia and I noticed two or three people with uh, oxygen tanks and um, one with in a wheelchair and stuff like that and I immediately thought about uh, you know what they deal with every moment of the day what they have to deal with every moment of the day and I was thinking about that while this guy over here was complaining to the waitress that he wasn't getting his drink fast enough and having had a heart attack like my brother Mark and having 
dealt with COPD for many years, the drink can take as long as it takes, as long as I'm breathing. So every card, any card, is not the issue. The issue is pick a card, pick a moment, and pour yourself into that moment entirely without any agenda, without any expectation, without any coloration of the moment, and watch how it all begins to change. To be fully present is what we are here to train for. To forget this self, this small self, this false self, that is constantly discriminating with the cards and delaying the game of life is what we are here to train to do. And the only way, and that's why Tokutro Zenji says to us, you know, you can chant sutras and you can study the sutras and there's some merit to that. But the direct way is to pour yourself into experiencing the moment, the card that you pick. And then asking the question, where is the real source for satisfaction? It's not in the cards. The card guy tells you that. <laughs> he tells you that from the start. It's not in the cards. Because you can pick any card and the game will work. My friend eventually gave up playing card games with people because he just got so frustrated. And eventually we talk to each other and he says, when are you going to throw the deck away? <laughs> Any questions? Hi, Paul. Good to see you. How you doing, Pasha? I just want to bring to everybody's attention that uh, I was uh, pacing the distance that we covered <laughs> as we walked around. You know, we, we built it that way, especially. Yeah, about two and a half miles. Yeah. So we're actually getting a workout as we're meditating, burning calories. And uh, I was thinking about writing a uh, editorial, maybe for the Burlington Times, on how you can actually reduce weight by joining the Zen Monastery. That'll get him here. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure he does that. That'll get him here. Jeez, one sitting and he comes up with a fundraiser. You guys never come up with any.
and you and what you just said is so profoundly important for everyone to hear because again we come back to skillful practice is always understanding the true cause of our suffering and most of us never resolve our suffering because we keep coming up with these ideas that this is why I'm suffering, that is why I'm suffering. But your words point out, again, a source for the true cause of our suffering, and that is we suffer so long and walk aimlessly in our ignorance that, yeah, we become familiar with that. And we become complacent because of that familiarity, and we call that condition. That's our condition. And you're right, the most difficult thing to overcome is that conditioning. But the, but the first step to overcoming it is to recognize it. So again, it's not that we cannot, it's that we often look at the wrong causes or sources. And yes, I mean, you look at the state of our world, the state of our world that appears to be you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same and just become more of that. The state of our world, which that is, if you will, even though last night I saw some hope in the language of uh, the people that I was with last night and in their conversations, but the state of our world is the way it is because we don't attend to the real causes, I see, and because we love the story. We love the story. You know, what would we watch on TV? What would we listen to on the radio? What conversation would we have with each other if it wasn't the story? You see? And, you know, that's, that's the golden calf that Moses threw the tablets at. You know, the story. Uh, you know, and yes, we're conditioned to love the story. You know, the media conditions us to expect suffering because you can't turn it on without that. You see, and that is why, again, the less you turn it on, the better off you are. You, you want to know what's really going on in the world? You just need to get quiet and look out there, look in here, look in here. That's the, that's the reality. And that's the shift that takes place when we see that and just turn our attention away and to the true source. You are the source. You are the cause. It's all within you. Get quiet. Answer this simple damn question. You know, just answer this one question. Just pick one card and watch what happens. Thank you, Paul. No wonder you married him. Came all the way from China and found him, just like Bodhidharma. <laughs> Anyone else? Hi. Hi, I'm Marion. Yes, hi, Marion. Um, all right, during the meditation, what I'm hearing is you're suggesting you're focusing on the breath. Mm -hmm. How do I present that question of what is the mind? Am I doing that 
during the meditation? Like, how do I frame that? Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Einstein once said that the mind which created the problem will be insufficient for creating the solution. So the way we uh, frame questions in Zen is not with cognitive effort. Okay, so it's not like we sit there asking a cognitive question. Now, what is this? What is the mind? Just like I heard you say, welcome the thoughts in. You don't, don't even do that. Thoughts will come and go on their own. So the question is framed by what I call creating space. Meditation, true meditation, that we train in, and it is train in. Always remember that. It's a training in the same way a runner trains for a race, an athlete trains for the goal, and so forth. Meditation is about creating space. By that I mean is we frame the question by rooting ourselves in this space we call meditation, when we're sitting and meditating. Rooting ourselves wherever we are. Rooting, like the Buddha said, like the great oak that cannot be moved because its roots go deep and spread wide. Okay, this rooting ourselves deep is, you know, as I said to Paul, we need to redirect our attention. Our attention is everything. So our attention frames the question naturally for us. So I keep my attention, I meaning the meditator, keeps my attention on the breath so that I'm not following the questions as they come or go and start thinking about them. Okay, so that I'm not distracted by bodily sensations or other mental formations. And with each breath, I'm allowing all of this activity, all of this, you know, back to Paul sharing, noise to happen in that space while I just remain one breath at a time. The mind wants to grab that thought and run with it. It wants to have that conversation about it. The mind wants to create a story about the pain in my knee. You know, you're going to die if you don't move. And what we don't understand is that the pain gets worse, not because there's a real problem, unless, of course, you've got, you know, you know some kind of problem. You know, I have arthritis and bursitis and all that stuff, okay? That's a different thing. But the mind creates a story that th frightens us so much that we've got to move, not because there's a real threat, but because the mind is bored and it's not getting your attention any other way. So it gets it through causing the body to feel the way it does, because you'll move with that, you know what I'm saying? So we're training, the, the question is framed naturally by just being with each breath, okay? And experiencing each breath, and experiencing the clutter, and experiencing the suffering. The clutter is the suffering. The, the thoughts, the story, that's the suffering, okay? Experiencing that, neither rejecting it or, you know, or you know, embracing it, neither fearful of it or fascinated by it, as Zenji says, okay? Takusho Zenji says, neither that, just, just this breath, just that breath. 
And as an observer, just watching all of that, there is a natural arising of that question and a natural arising of the answer. See, some people are expecting to hear God say, you are enlightened now, and enlightenment, or something like that. You know, and, and I love the way modern, you know, uh, filmmakers present stories about Moses and Noah that, you know, it's not like God, you know, sat down and had a beer with them and talked about what he wanted. It was experiential for them. That whole thing was experiential. And that's what, uh, again, Zen Buddhism has always said. If you wish to hear the voice of the Dharma, or someone might say, if you wish to hear God's voice, the teachers have always said, you know, exhaust your words and empty your thoughts. You need to shut up. But not shut up like you need to stop talking. You need to also stop expecting it in words like that. Now, sometimes it may happen that way. But as Einstein said, the mind that thinks cognitively created the problem. It's not going to provide you with the solution. The solution is going to come from, again, from the Zen perspective, creating this question by just sitting, just breathing, just watching, and creating the space for all of that to take place in this, you know, vast, you know, openness to all of it. Not fascinated by this thought, not fearful about by that idea, just coming and going, because that's all it's doing anyway. It's not real, it's illusion, it comes and goes. Anything that comes and goes isn't real. Is that helpful? Extreme. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Good to see you and your daughter. Anyone else? Pick a moment. Pick any moment. Every moment from this moment on, this moment and every moment that follows. Your practice, your training, your work is to pour yourself into that moment. Just that moment. Just that moment. And every moment that follows. Just that moment. Just be present to whatever that is. Doesn't matter the moment. Doesn't matter which card you pick. Just pick a card and be fully present and own that moment. Um, again, sitting with, uh, at dinner with uh, this, must maybe about hundred people and so forth and all. Converse, it was so much conversation, we were in this little room that you could, you could barely hear the other person uh, talking to you, at least I couldn't. And it was a real consciousness on my part to listen, uh, to pour myself into just the simple act of listening to what was being said to me by that person at that time talking to me. To really be present to that, because if you, if you didn't, uh, you wouldn't have heard anything that was going on, because there was just so much noise at that, you know, during the dinner and different conversations going on. And when you truly pour yourself into being present to the moment, you hear that conversation and find yourself, as I did last night, with the um, variety of people that were there, would say. You know, I, I came up with a koan this morning. What do you get when you bring Brits, Syrians, and Americans together? I'm saying. And so there's a koan for you, and I'm not going to tell you the answer. 
what have you, because that was the combination. The, the, uh, the, the groom's family was from Great Britain, uh, the bride's family was from Syria, and then there were the Americans scattered in the group, and what have you. And it, it was a fascinating, and that's what I wanted to say, was you not only, when you truly are present to listening, you not only can hear in that noise the conversation between you and that person, but if you're lucky, if you're lucky, because being fully present is vast, Tokushu Zanji says, vast and infinite, you'll hear something that sparks you, as I did going on in a conversation right next to me. And it, there's just that moment where you hear that and uh, this particular, what I heard, filled me with tears because it was uh, the family from Syria, uh, many of them are still involved in the horror going on in the Middle East. And there was this just very neat thing I heard say um, in Arabic and uh, that's my, I, that's my part, you don't get to see that. But the point is, when you're fully present, miracles happen. And you see and you hear from the least expected, <coughs> from the least expected. And the mind wants to color everything uh, again and again, it wants to color and discriminate and so forth, so English is familiar, even though the Brits claim that they speak English. Uh, <laughs> that was another funny conversation. So this one woman was telling me how like, she uh, got to the hotel and someone said to her, will you speak English? <laughs> she was from Great Britain. She said, I am speaking English. <laughs> they don't think we do and we don't think they do. <laughs> so, pour in yourself, just pick a card and own the card. That's all that's necessary in the game, the card game called life. Any other questions? Go ahead. Those moments that stay with us, those moments that profoundly tr are those, you know, uh, transformational moments, uh, pivotal moments, whatever metaphor you want to use, yes, are usually the moments that we were fully present to. Because poten there's potential in every card, doesn't matter what card, there's potential in every moment. And when we pour ourselves into the moment, the potential we, is what we receive. We, you know, that's what's there. The potential is there. And so, yes, those moments that, because that's what fulfills us. What fulfills us is to be fully present. That's what is the most difficult lesson for any teacher to teach. And that is, the moment has nothing to offer to us except the opportunity to be present. And it is not that the moment has some magical thing in it that's going to touch us and change us. It's our being present in that moment. It's like an, the moment's an empty glass and you're the water. And what fulfills the moment is for the glass and the water to be fulfilled together. Okay? And the water is fulfilled, brought into reality by the glass, and the purpose of the glass is fulfilled 
brought into reality by the water in the glass. And there is that communion, that union. And that's why it stays with us forever. Because both the observer and the observed, communion is the word. Communion is the word. And when you uh, read the uh, master's interpretations of the Heart Sutra, there's a part in the, in the original Sanskrit of the Heart Sutra, there's a part in it that says avalokitesvara penetrates. The word used is penetrates. And when you take the roots of that word and what have you, this word communion comes. And that's what fulfills the moment. The reason why moments are not fulfilling to us is that there's no communion with me in that moment. It's in the communion of the moment, you see, that fulfills us. And, you know, something happened again also last night. We were in Center City, and so we dropped uh, the, the mother of the bride and their friends off, and my, uh, Robert, whose daughter's getting married today, uh, and uh, he's a member here, if you don't know him. He's a, a doctor. I mean, you see him usually with Len, so if you know Len, you know Bobby. And so uh, I said, no, I'll go with you. We'll go park the car, and we're in Center City, so you know what that's like. The, car had to be parked like three, four blocks away. And um, we got lost going back to the restaurant. And so that by the time I got to the restaurant, it was just, I, I, could, I, I was having a hard time breathing. Uh, I could feel the pain in my arm, you know, and all of that stuff. And my mind went there and my training was to bring my mind back to being with what was going on and the pain in the arm dropped away and the breathing came back and, and all of that. It's communion with the moment that we fail to see what fulfills us. And that takes training, again back to Paul's words, uh, after a lifetime of conditioning of being distracted by the sounds and the suffering. Which is to distract you. You know that. You know that when you're watching the news, they're distracting you for a reason. They don't want you to think about the real issues because if you do, they lose their jobs. <laughs> so it's all about keeping your attention. Anyone else? Well, I think we'll do this half sitting again next month. <laughs> Any announcements, Emyo? Russian Hi. This coming Wednesday night. What is this coming? Oh, this, oh, I teach again. <laughs> it's coming Wednesday night. Yes, come back. I, teach, I talk more. So if you want to hear me talk more, come back Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Living a Zen-inspired life, Wednesday night. And if you don't want to hear me talk, come back Thursday night, we meditate. Okay? So we give you that option. Actually, it's not an option. It should come Wednesday and Thursday. And just keep coming until you get it. And then after you get it, guess what you get to do? You have to keep coming more because the moment you stop coming, it all falls away. The moment you stop meditating, it all falls away because the power of that condition. Thank you for joining the monks and I. I have a wedding to go do with 400 Brits, Americans, and Syrians. But I get to stay overnight. 
and I haven't been in a hotel room since I don't remember. <laughs> so thank you for the privilege of being here.